Open up to Matthew chapter 7. I have called this sermon, How to Live in a Messed Up World. Thought that was pretty appropriate. And, and I feel like I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer. That's not actually what Jesus is talking about in this passage. That's a great way to start a sermon, isn't it? Um, my, my main point is not what he's talking about. But see, what he is talking about is about how to live for his kingdom. How to live in his kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, those saved by Jesus Christ, living out the will of Jesus Christ in this world. And this world is always messed up. It's not just now. We like to say, well, it, it didn't used to be like this. Sure, it used to be messed up in different ways. And it used to be messed up in similar ways as well. We always look at times that we're in right now and say, wow, it's so much worse. But I think because we feel that at certain times in our culture, and there are times things are harder than others. There are times that things are harder in a a more universal way, such as with COVID going on right now. And I think it's important to listen to the words of Jesus, especially in those times. Because it's in those times that we want to fall back on, I've got this, this is what I can do, this is how I'm in control, here's what I'm going to do. So if you're joining us, uh, maybe for the first Sunday, we're in the middle of a sermon series called The King Has Come on the Gospel of Matthew. We're walking through Matthew from beginning to end. Some people have asked me, are you going to do a Christmas series? I don't think so. I think we're just going to keep going through Matthew. I'll do something different on Christmas Eve. But if we can't weave the Christmas story into the Gospel of Matthew, I think we're probably missing something. So that's my goal, is just to keep going through. We'll see how that goes. But there's this emphasis in the Gospel of Matthew as he holds up Jesus Christ, especially to the Jewish people, but to all of us, and says, here's your king. This is Emmanuel, God with us. This is Jesus, he who has come to save. This is the promised Messiah. And we're in this section on, or in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5 verse uh, through 7, called the Sermon on the Mount. The first public sermon we have recorded that Jesus preached. And I've titled kind of this section of Matthew, Kingdom Living. Because that's what Jesus talks about over and over and over again. How should we live if we're seeking to live as a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? And I've referred back often, I'll state it again, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Matthew introduces Jesus' public preaching, his teaching. He says from that time on, he began to teach. And he tells us the theme of all of these early sermons, especially the Sermon on the, uh, on the Mount. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so the Sermon on the Mount, as I walk through it, I think Jesus is raising this question over and over and over again. Who needs to repent? Is any one of us good enough to not need to admit that we're a sinner, to not need to turn away from our sins? And so he's walked through challenging some things that we hold most dear and saying, you think you've got this right, but even you need to repent. So what do we do if we're living as Christians, which I pray we are, in this world, When this world is so completely and totally messed up, how should we live? So we're going to use the passage from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12, to kind of give us some guidelines or maybe some challenges on how we should live 
as Jesus' followers in a messed up world. And the first thing that I see Jesus calling us to is that we need to be attentive. We need to pay attention. And some people will say, absolutely. I watch cable news every day. And I'm on Twitter and I'm reading and I watch what people post and I'm following the news and I'm watching it all. Absolutely, Christians, we need to be more attentive so that we can be aware of what's going on in this world and make proper judgments. We need to be more attentive. Let's look at what Jesus says. Because he does say we need to be more attentive. We need to pay attention. But what is it we must pay attention to? Chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What are we supposed to pay attention there? What should we really, truly be focusing on? Before we look at the world and all the problems in the world and all the ways that everybody else is messing up and everything they should do different, what should we look at first? Right here. And for you, that's you, not me. Don't look at me. You're you're supposed to look at you. He says, pay attention. Absolutely. And as Christians, and I think this is generally true of all humanity, we love to be the armchair quarterback, right? Right? We love to sit there and say what our team on the TV should have done, and if they would have done what we think they should have done, they would have won the game. And we do that with sports. We do that with our job. We do that with politics. Do it with the news. We do it with our favorite TV show. They should have done this with this character. Should have ended this way. We do it with our churches. We do it with our families. Well, if you would have done this, and maybe we don't say it out loud as if that's more polite not to say it out loud, but we still think it. And and Jesus challenges us at our heart. He says that is being judgmental. And it's good to judge. But let's judge the proper thing and the proper person. He says, judge yourself first. Start there. He gives several reasons why we should not judge or be judgmental. And the first is because we also will be judged. Do not judge or you too will be judged. This is another warning against hypocrisy. We saw this in chapter 6. It talks about not doing our acts of righteousness to be seen by others. And he says, because if you do that, then you'll get all of your reward in the here and now. The clapping, the pat on the back, that's it. He says, but as far as your Father in heaven giving you a reward, no, you just sought the reward of people. And that's all you're going to get. We talked about hypocrisy is living our life for the wrong audience. Living it for others to see, people to see, not for God to see. Well, here he's warning against the hypocrisy of being judgmental. He says, why is it that we are so quick to judge others and yet we so easily overlook the things in our own hearts? Now, this raises a question. Should we never judge anything. You ever heard people say that? Oh, Christians, you're so judgmental. Didn't Jesus say don't judge? 
judging anything, saying anything is a sin, is breaking this commandment that Jesus gave us. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's not. It can't be because that's completely out of line with all the rest of Scripture. Let me just give you an example. If you trace down the page or maybe the next page for you, Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus says, watch, watch out for false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. That sounds pretty judgy to me. If you're going to watch out for a false prophet, you need to listen to someone and their teaching and discern if they're teaching the word of God. And if they're not, you have to say that person is a false prophet. That is a judgment. So Jesus is not saying, chuck your brain out the window, quit thinking about everything, just accept everything as being loving and merciful and gracious, and that's the Christian thing to do. That's not what he's saying. But he is challenging how we interact with the world. And a big part of that is asking ourselves the question, who is the ultimate judge? And be quick to answer that with, it's not me. I'm not the ultimate judge of the world. I'm not the ultimate judge of our country, our society, my family, your family, our church. We are not the ultimate judges. What Jesus is saying is that we need to pay attention to the standard we're using to judge other people. He says, because, ask yourself, would you want God to use the same standard to judge you? How much do we ask, pray for justice for other people? How much do we pray for God to stop their sin? And yet in the same breath, we look at our own sins and say, number one, it's not that big a deal. And number two, God, just give me grace and mercy. That's hypocrisy. We need to have the same standard. Jesus goes further and he uses this image of a speck of sawdust in our own eye and a plank or a board or modern terms, a giant two by four. In, in, oh, wait, I'm switching that. Speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye and a plank or a two by four in our own eye. We are so attentive to the faults of everybody else and everything else around us and can be so completely blind to our own faults. Jesus is saying, pay attention. Look deep within yourself and ask yourself, where are you out of line with living in the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Start there before you start looking at society, before we look at politics, before we look at everything else in the world and writing the horrible, awful tweets and Facebook posts, before we look look at yourself in the mirror and say, what about me? Where's my heart? How am I living? Notice this last part here. He says, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think there's a heart change that goes on here. Because it starts with, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? So we're looking, we're seeing, we're going, wow, you you got that thing in your eye. Like, what a horrible person you are. You're awful. Hey, everybody, check out how awful so-and-so is because, man, they got something in their eye and, and that's awful. They're a horrible person. It's just looking. But at the end, now the person 
the Christian, has done a work in their own heart. They brought themselves to Jesus and said, I need you. I am a wicked, awful sinner. I've got this huge plank in my eye. I can't even see clearly. And now they're looking back. And instead of pointing and looking at a speck in someone's eye, they're coming alongside and saying, can I help you? Let me walk with you. Let me help you with this. Let me be a shoulder that you can lean on as you deal with this in your own life. It's no longer coming alongside to judge them. You're coming alongside to help them. That's the heart change that Jesus does. And it's the heart change that comes from understanding that you are saved from your sin by Jesus Christ. And when you realize how big of a plank you had in your eye, and Jesus has removed it and paid for it on his cross by taking it from us, you're going to have a whole lot more mercy for those around you. So we need to be attentive. We need to be attentive to our own faults. Before we as Christians can hope to have any impact on this world for Jesus Christ, we need to be attentive to our own hearts. But in verse 6, we're going to have another challenge. Another way that we should be discerning or or another way uh, that we should live in this messed up world. And it's that we need to be discerning. People talk about the gift of discernment. And, and sometimes that's code for the gift of being very judgmental. I will tell you everything that's wrong with you because I have the gift of discernment. And, and you can't tell me what's wrong with me because you don't have the gift of discernment. And I know you don't have the gift of discernment because guess what? I have the gift of discernment. So you have no right to tell me otherwise. And we laugh and hopefully nobody says it quite that way. But we need to be discerning. Each and every one of us needs to be careful. See, Jesus has said, do not judge. And there's this possibility that we'll just take this as, well, then anything goes and it doesn't matter. And he gives us a little correction here in verse 6. He says, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I'm guessing not many of you are struggling with whether or not to throw sacred things to your dog and probably have not been tempted to take pearls and throw them to swine. I'm guessing you're good with that. So what in the world is he talking about here? Okay, we need to enter their culture. Ready? What were dogs and what were pigs in their culture? Dogs, was they were not snoopy in the backyard. They were not little fluffy on your bed or on your couch that you were petting. Dogs were roving scavengers filled with disease and were disgusting and would roam in wild packs across their land. They were not pets. They were gross. Okay, so this isn't a, don't give your dog something that they shouldn't eat. This is, why would you throw that to a dog? Ew. And what were pigs? For the Jewish person, a pig was the lowest animal possible. It was the most detestable thing. God had commanded them all the way back in the Old Testament, do not eat from a pig. Now, later on in the New Testament, we know that God declared all foods clean. But in the Jewish mindset, there was nothing so horrendous to eat as a pig. It was the dirtiest of the dirty animals. You stayed away from them. They didn't raise them. They didn't keep them. All the nations around them did, and that was their fault. 
because you know the Jewish people were discerning. But but they they said these are disgusting. They were an abomination. They were even known to be violent. Herds of pigs would turn on people and hurt them. So the picture here is of a traveler suddenly confronted by a pack of wild dogs or or a roaming pack of, of pigs. I don't know if they're packs or herds or whatever they are. The traveler thinks to himself, what will protect me in this moment? Well, certainly if I give up something that is important to me, and so uh, I'm going to take my Bible, this is the very word of God, and I will throw it at the dogs, and surely they will leave me alone. Or the woman says, I I have expensive jewelry, and I'm going to take that jewelry off, and I will toss it to the pigs, and certainly they will leave me alone. What's going to happen? Those dogs are going to run right over your Bible. Those pigs are going to run right over your jewelry, and they're going to come after you anyway. That's the absurdity of what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, that's crazy that you would do this. So what's the application? One of the reasons he gives us not to be judgmental, we've already talked about, is that we need to look at our own sin first. Here's another reason he gives us. He says there's a misunderstood notion that the world is going to understand and accept what you tell them. And they're going to say, thank you, the Ten Commandments. I never thought about how wonderful and beautiful those are. Absolutely, we should put them up on the courthouse walls, and now we will all operate by the Ten Commandments. Is that the way the world responds to God's truth? They say, who do you think you are to judge me? That's your truth. I don't care about that. And they just come at us more. Jesus is challenging us to be discerning in our communication of truth to the world. Ever thought about that? I mean, so often as Christians, we're like, well, it's God's truth, and you just need to hear it, period. And I don't care how it makes you feel. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, let's think about this a moment. Our goal is for them to know the God of the truths. Beating them up with those truths is not going to lead them there. They're just going to turn and trample us under their feet. Friends, we need to accept that without an incredible heart change, without God transforming this world by the gospel of Jesus Christ, this world is not going to comprehend or accept the things that we value most. And no amount of screaming or yelling about it is going to change that. People must be changed by Jesus Christ. Period. That's got to be the starting place. That's where we need to be discerning. Not to hide our truth, because he's already talked about your city on a hill. Nobody lights a light and puts it under a basket. We don't want to do that. We're not hiding the truth, but we must be discerning in our communication of the truth. There's a thread that runs all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, which is that as we live lives, as we live our lives changed by Jesus Christ, the world will see. And they get changed because of that. It's not enough to just talk as Christians. It's certainly not enough to just argue as Christians with the world. They need to see Christ in us. So, should we just not do anything? 
just just kind of put our heads down and live faithful Christian lives without being bothered by anything in the world? Should we just ignore all the injustice and the wrongs in this world and just not do anything? No, Jesus isn't done yet. He says we must be persistent. And and here's where some people, yes, now we're going to fight. We're going to fight hard. We're just going to keep going. We're going to change this world. We are going to be, wait a minute, persistent in prayer. That's what Jesus talks about. We're looking out in the world and we're seeing things that need to change. And Jesus says, absolutely. And we need to be persistent, but we need to be persistent in prayer. Look at verses 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything you do, to, so in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You know, as a parent, there's always that fine line between wanting your kids to learn things by doing it on their own and understanding that they've reached a point where they need to ask for help. And, and knowing, like, when do you jump in and help them? And there are times my kids are working on something and it's, it's interesting. Or they'll even ask, Dad, can you help me? It's like, I can, but I want you to work that out on your own. And they need to learn that. There are other times, though, that you know they don't know something. You know they don't have the background in it. You know they don't have any of the steps to get there. And they're just getting mad. They're getting frustrated because they're trying to tackle something that they don't know how to do. And you're just standing there watching. And they get all upset. And as a parent, you say, why didn't you just ask? I could have helped you. I'm right here. And Jesus is tying into that and saying, what kind of a parent would we be if we didn't care for our children enough to help them? Or or worse, if they asked for help and we just were mean to them. He says, even people that are wicked sinners, though you are evil, you know how to treat your kids better than that. How much more so the Heavenly Father? How much more so God in Heaven? Do we truly believe that God cares about us? And I hope the answer would be yes. You know, we looked at Psalm 23 this morning in Sunday school, the shepherd's psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Do we believe that? But then go a step further and say, do we live that way? Because if we truly believe that the Lord is sovereign over heaven and earth and cares about everything going on in our lives and in this world, and yet we live every day ignoring him, just going about our work or trying to fix everything on our own, what are we actually saying about God? We're saying either he doesn't exist, he doesn't care, or he's not powerful enough to get involved in the first place, so he needs us to help him out. That's what we're saying. Jesus is saying, don't do that. See, you care about the world, that's good. You have struggles in your heart, that's, that's tough, but what are you going to do with it? Bring them to the Lord. I, I did, Jesus, I prayed about that yesterday. Yeah, bring them again. And again, and again, and again. Because if you believe that God loves you, don't stop bringing your cares 
to him. Don't stop. Be persistent. Friends, we spend so much time fretting about our own lives, fretting about this world, fretting about the future, fretting about churches, fretting about our families. Could we spend more time lifting those things up to the Lord in prayer? Saying, God, you are God and we are not. We know you are in control. We know you are in charge. We know you are at work. We know you have a sovereign plan. We know you have brought salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. So we pray for this situation, Father, and we trust you. Who is the Christian who truly trusts the Lord? The one who is able to point out everything that's wrong with this world? And all its intimate details? The one who gets involved in every social movement to change the world, to fix everything, to make everything right? Or the one who says, I have a God who is sovereign and in control and lifts up in prayer constantly those things. Now, that doesn't mean we can't get involved. It doesn't mean we just sit around and twiddle our thumbs. If we're asking God to answer prayer, we need to understand that a big part part of the way he answers prayer in this world is to use us. So we don't get to just sit on the sidelines, but it's got to start with him, not with us. So let's be persistent in prayer and trust in God. And then the last verse, and I thought about how to say this, and I think it's we need to be honest. And again, I think as Christians, we would say, yeah, we need to be honest with this world. We need to be honest with the truth of Jesus Christ. But what we really need is we need to be honest with ourselves. Let me show you where I'm getting this. Verse 12 there. He says, so in everything you do, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We need to be honest with ourselves. You might think, wait a minute, Pastor Dave, are we looking at the same verse here? Because I'm not getting that at all from that verse. This is the golden rule, right? We've all heard this. You should live in such a way that you want others to live. And I think there's a corollary that we listen with that, is that if you do that way, they'll treat you that way. That's not actually what Jesus is talking about. What he is talking about is to challenge us when we want to look at the world and tell the world what to do. And we want to point out all the flaws in the world. Think about it. As Christians, we want to see all life considered precious, correct? That's what it means to be pro-life. We want to see marriage be biblically defined and honored. We want to see God's truth being proclaimed and taught. We want to see God's morality being upheld in this world. Fair? I hope those are all things we can agree on. Notice what Jesus is doing here in this passage. So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Do we, do you as an individual, do I as an individual, do I treat life as precious? Do we honor marriage? Do we hold on to and apply God's truth to our own lives constantly and consistently? Do we live up to the morals we seek to have this world changed into? Do you see what he's saying? 
He said, we love to be honest with what's wrong with the world. He says, but start again with you. We should live the way that we hope this world would live. That's what Jesus is saying. Regardless of the impact it has on this world, we should live the way that we hope this world would live. It's interesting because the Jewish teachers taught something very similar to this. There's a guy by the name of Rabbi Hillel. He's one of the most famous, prominent rabbis. He was one of the two most prominent rabbis around the time of Jesus. He was... um, He probably died when Jesus was around 10 or 15 or so. But his teachings and and kind of his school of thought lived on. And here's what Rabbi Hillel said about this idea from the Old Testament. He hadn't heard what Jesus said. But Jesus is repeating the way they thought. Rabbi Hillel said this, What is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow creatures. That is the whole law. So, So they said, okay, the law restricts sin. It tells us what not to do. And so if you want to uphold the law, you should not do what you don't want someone else to do. You with me so far? You don't want someone to kick your dog, don't kick their dog. You don't want somebody to steal your car, don't steal their car. You don't want somebody to punch you in the face, don't punch them in the face. This is pretty simple stuff, I think. But it's negative. Do you see that? It's what not to do. And so you, you just don't break the command because you don't do the thing that's wrong. It's what not to do. It's a negative form. But Jesus changes this. And he's done this throughout the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, we can't live our lives about what not to do. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is about what we must do. And here's what he says. He says, if we truly want to see these changes in the world, we need to be honest with ourselves and start with us. Are we living as changed people now? If we believe that God's kingdom is loving, do we display love? If we believe that God's kingdom is based on God's truth, do we know God's truth? Do we study it? Do we dig into it and apply it to our own hearts first? See, I believe that Jesus is really challenging us to be honest with ourselves. It's easy to see all the sin out there and to be judgmental. But all of this is Jesus saying, start with yourself. Look at your own heart. And I think if we're honest with ourselves and we truly look in the mirror, One of the things I believe as Christians today, we need to say is that we look a whole lot more like this world than we care to admit. We don't like that. It's a lot easier to talk about out there and and what a governor is doing or president is doing, what the press is doing. It's so much easier to talk about that, but to look hard in the mirror and say, wow, my heart's in the wrong place. To truly be honest with ourselves is difficult. But remember the point of Jesus' preaching. Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You see, all of this stuff that we need to turn away from implies there is something we can turn to, and that's where Matthew was leading throughout the entirety of this gospel. Jesus came to pay the price for our sin. So do you need to repent? Absolutely. 
And Jesus is right there saying, I've already died for that sin. And there is freedom and there is forgiveness. And now you get to go live it out so that other people can see. I think, I think that the more messed up that we believe this world is, the easier it is for us to ignore sin in our own lives. Because we fall into this trap of thinking, I look so much better than the world. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to the world and thinking, don't I look great? Jesus says, stop, look at the word of God. Compare yourself there. Look at your own heart. Being judgmental, frantically seeking to solve all the problems of this world on our own apart from God is a lack of faith. We need to bring these things to the Lord in prayer. We need to look at our own hearts and allow ourselves to be changed by the gospel. This is how we're going to live in a messed up world. This is how we are going to live in a perfect world. This is how we should live in a somewhat mediocre world. This is how we should live no matter what the world does. And wouldn't it be great if how we live didn't depend on this world at all, but instead depended on the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what Christ is calling us to. Living for Christ's kingdom does not depend on this world. It depends on our King, Jesus, period. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we're living in a messed up world. We feel it deep down within us. And the outrage wells up inside of us, depending on the day, depending on the situation, depending on the person. And Father, we don't want to be like the ostrich that just sticks our head in the sand and says, oh, God, you just take care of it. We're just going to not do anything. But Father, equally, we don't want to be the people that just run around thinking everything depends on us and if everybody would just act our way, then everything would be great. And so, Father, may we hear this challenge. May we hear the challenge to start judgment with ourselves. May we hear the challenge to come alongside others and to help them in their sin with the same mercy you've shown to us. May we hear the challenge to be discerning as we interact with this world. May we hear the challenge to be prayerful, to bring these things to you no matter what. And God, may we truly be honest with ourselves that if we want to apply your law, we need to look at how we live not how everybody else lives. May we live out your truth. May we live out the perfect kingdom that was bought by our Savior, Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, that others would look at our life and say, I need what you have. And we could say, let me tell you about the king who has come, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.